Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. The Bay Area heads to the big dance. The University of San Francisco men's basketball team made its first NCAA tournament appearance in 24 years. And despite their loss, it was a thrilling, truly thrilling overtime game. Meanwhile, St. Mary's men's team had a dominating win. On the women's side, Stanford will start its title defense tonight. We talked to former Stanford basketball star Kiana Williams, who led last year's Cardinal team about the road to a championship this year. Then we'll talk with college reporters about their school's NCAA tournament bids and hear what teams are in your bracket's Final Four. That's all next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Whew! The first day of the men's NCAA basketball tournament was, in fact, pure March Madness for the Bay Area teams and beyond. As a UCLA fan, I have to note my satisfaction that we somehow won a game we should have lost, while Kentucky somehow lost a game they should have won. Our best chance for a local title is in the women's bracket, though, and we start there. Last year, the Stanford Cardinal marched to the title with star Kiana Williams leading the way. She graduated and is now playing professionally for the Phoenix Mercury and in Australia. But we caught up with her to relive the glory of last year and get her forecast for this 2022 tournament. Welcome to Forum, Kiana Williams. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So your Cardinals are, unsurprisingly, back in the NCAA tournament and are expected to land in the Final Four again. Have you been staying in touch with your former teammates? Like, how are folks feeling? Yes. Yeah, I've been, you know, congratulating them, especially on that amazing Pac-12 run and you know, the, them winning the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas uh, a few weeks ago. So I'm just so proud of them. Um, I know expectations are high, trying to defend our national championship. So I'm just happy for everyone. Um, and everyone just seems so happy. So um, I've been cheering them on from down under nice. here in Australia. Why are you down in Australia? Uh, I'm playing in the WNBL. Uh, it's my, my first professional gig overseas. Um, our seasons, uh, we, we start playoffs next week. So just depends how we go. Hopefully I'll be able to make, you know, the final four if, if Stanford makes it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So going back to the Cardinals, you very humble. I didn't mention you were the leading scorer on the national championship team. So what were your thoughts on this season and how they replaced, you know, your production for the team? Yeah. Um, I, I know Tara um, made that a, a point of emphasis for this year's team, just, you know, finding someone to replace my minutes. You know, I played, you know, 38 to, to 40 minutes a game. 
So I knew, you know, she wanted someone to step up and, and fill those shoes. And it's really just from watching the games, it's being done by committee, you know, whether it's Anna, Lacey, Haley playing the point, um, but they've done a really good job. Um, you know, they, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not even, they're not missing me. It's kind of sad. <laughs> no, but ser- no, but seriously, uh, they're, they're doing a great job. And I knew Tara was going to have them prepared, especially, you know, for, for March Madness. Yeah. So you've mentioned uh, Tara Vanderveer, legendary um, coach at Stanford. What's one of the key lessons that you really took from playing under her leadership? Oh, man, um, I could write a book. Um, but I think just from early on, my, my freshman year, you know, she just told me to stay level-headed and, you know, just being a point guard and eventually being the captain of that team, not getting too high, not getting too low um, over the course of a game, over the course of a season. Uh, you know, the season's really long. So just trying to stay level-headed and, and not panic, you know, when things aren't going your way and not getting too happy when things are going your way. Take us back, speaking of a time when it might have made sense to to panic, a really tight game last year against Arizona in the national championship. What do you remember about that final? Oh, I remember the last play. Um, I just remember McDonald. We all knew who was gonna who was gonna shoot the last shot for them. And, you know, they, they were inbounding the ball from the sideline and you know, she's up top dribbling one on one and I'm trying to, you know, tell my teammates, go double her, go trap her and get the ball out of her hands and she still got a really good shot up and it you know, it rolled off the back of the rim. And I just remember feeling relief because things could have for sure went the other way. The ball could have bounced toward toward their end, but um, thankfully she missed that shot and, you know, we're we're national we're national champions. So how's the road to the championship looking for them right now? I mean, South Carolina looks like the favorite, at least in Vegas, the, the betters think South mm-hmm. Carolina's favorite. What do you think about the road to the, to the championship for Stanford? It's going to be tough for sure. Um, I see that they have Maryland that they might play in a sweet 16 and then they have either LSU or I think it's Texas uh, that they could play, you know, in the elite eight to get to the final four. So the Spokane region is, is not easy, um, but I know Tara is going to have them prepared. I know they're going to be motivated to try to get back to the final four and, and defend a national championship. Um, but it's really a, a one game at a time mentality you know Tara she always says this before every game this is the biggest game of the season and it's literally like that every game you know you have to lock in every possession because you know if you you're worried about you know the elite eight game or the sweet 16 game in the first game you might not even get there so just taking it one game at a time one possession at a time and and the most important thing is just having fun it's the best time of the year as far as basketball I'm talking with Keanu Williams, former Stanford Cardinal and NCAA champion, now a professional basketball player for the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury. We're reminiscing about Stanford's great run in 2021 and getting her thoughts on this year's quest to defend the title. Can you tell us about that Final Four road and what's the pressure feel like? Did you have any like rituals to help you you know, get focused and, and, and get locked in? Yeah, um, I have a few, you know, some some of my teammates call me superstitious. Uh, I don't really set, call it superstition. I just have a routine, a checklist that I like to, to check off. So just I'll take you through, you know, morning until it's time for the game. I have to have bacon and eggs for breakfast. Those are like two non-negotiables. Um, <laughs> I have to have orange juice. Um, I usually, you know, like put on my left shoe, my left sock, my right sock, left shoe, right shoe. Uh, stuff like that get my left ankle tape first my right ankle tape second um I, there's I nothing superstitious about this at all nothing superstitious <laughs> about it right nothing superstitious at all it's just it's a routine that I like to follow I like to stick to 
uh, if it doesn't happen, it's like, oh man, but you know, there's no, I'm not gonna, you know, take the tape off just to, to get my um, left, my left uh, foot taped first. But yeah, I like to take a nap. I like to listen to music and, you know, I just like to joke around with my teammates, you know, just keep the mood loose. Um, because, you know, it is, is, there is, you know, a little bit of pressure, you know, trying to win games, trying to advance. But I think, you know, when you add unnecessary pressure to yourself, that's when, you know, play, I don't want to say you play bad, but, you know, you don't play loose, you don't have fun. So that's, that was like a routine for us, you know, go out there cracking jokes. And then we know, you know, when it's time to turn it on and get serious. Yeah. What was your pump up song during the championship run? Uh, honestly, I, I don't have one. Uh, I'm more of a, I put my music on shuffle in whatever mood I'm in, whether that's, you know, listening to R&B, listening to rap, um, whatever, whatever mood I'm in. Uh, but I wouldn't say I necessarily had a go-to song. I just didn't know if there was sort of a bacon and eggs of the song world or if you could just do any, all right, I got it. Music isn't part of it. Uh, so you're originally yeah. from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, no, you came up on a you know, San Antonio Spurs, like youth, uh, team, the Bay Area became your college home. Do you consider this place now a, a second home? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just remember my first time visiting California. I was about 14 years old. I think it was in the uh, it was South California area. Um, and I was like, wow, this place is beautiful. And then you, you get up, I get up to the Bay. I'm like, wow, this place is really beautiful. So just <laughs> California in a, as a whole is a beautiful state. And, you know, the, I for sure consider Stanford and the Bay Area my, my second home. Yeah. So now you'll be calling Phoenix home as you get going in your WNBA career there. Was playing in the WNBA always a goal for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just from, from early on, you know, watching the greats like Sue Bird, Maya Moore, just watching film of like Lisa Leslie, Don mm. Staley, you know, watching them play and and have success and, you know, one seeing people that look like me on TV, knowing that, you know, I, I could do those things and uh, having really high goals. So absolutely, the WBA has always been a dream and uh, I want to have a great career. I want to win championships and there's a whole list of things I want to accomplish. But um, like I said earlier, just the, the most important thing, you know, with playing sports is, is just having fun. Yeah. How about your own growth and development as a player? You know, you've always been a great mm -hmm. Shooter, you're one of the greatest players in the history of the Pac-12. What do you want to get better at now? Um, just being more consistent. I think that's just from you know my stint in Seattle, um, and then being over here uh, professionally overseas. Just just being consistent. You know, the great players. You know, they show up every day and they're consistently you know dominating their whatever it is that they do well. They do it well consistently. So I think for me, you know, it's, it's finding out you know at the pro level. What is something that I can consistently do that can contribute to a team's success? Yeah. So it seems to me like there's just been this explosion of growth and interest and excitement in women's basketball. And it seems mm -hmm. like it's kind of a global phenomenon, too. Like for you, what's been the most exciting thing about watching so many more people get into this game that you love? Yeah, it's, you know, just finding people that, you know, appreciate women's basketball. Yeah, you know, yet no, we're not, you know, flying around and athletic as athletic as the men. But I feel like, you know, there are small things that you can appreciate in the women's game, such as like, you know, our skill set or our basketball IQ. Yeah, we like, you know, the athleticism and, you know, the the flashy plays that, that people uh, like watching. But there are other things that, you know, we do well that the men necessarily, you know, don't do well. So, and it's not to compare us to the men because both games are, are really important. And 
just over here, you know, their fans, they're like little boys coming up to me and just telling me great game and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's comforting seeing that not only are you impacting young young women, you're impacting just young young boys also. So I think for me, that's really what motivates me to, to keep playing and to, to be a, a role model, knowing that there are young people, um, you know, all over the world, you know, looking up to me and, and, you know, watching what I do on the court and off the court. Yeah. I mean, Steph Curry almost never dunks. Maybe he's dunked once <laughs> in his whole career. Still a beautiful player to, to watch play, you know. Um, last Absolutely. question for you. Who of your teammates should we be watching out for in the coming days? And maybe you can give us your final four predictions too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, you know, Tar has been preaching this since since I can remember. It's it's an orchestra, you know. Every player is going to have their, you know, solo performance, and that's really what propelled us last year. You know, I didn't have too much pressure on my shoulders or no one player on our team. It was really, you know, by committee. And whether one player had a really good game and everybody else was supporting them or every little every player did like a little bit, you know, just to to help the team win. Um, but I'll start with the seniors, you know, Anna, Alyssa, um, Lexi, Lacey, um, obviously Haley and, and Cam coming, you know, with their All-American uh, honors. Um, but just the whole team, you know, even people coming in off the bench like Fran, Ashton, um, there's a freshman, Kiki. Um, they're, it, they're really deep. So I can't, you know, really pinpoint one person that you have to watch. It's just, you know, it's going to be a team effort. And I know if it's anything like last year, you know, we're deep enough to make that Final Four run. We have to defend, and Stanford's going to win it all, and I'm going to be in the building to, to witness it um, courtside. So hopefully that hopefully both those things happen. That's great. I've been talking with Keanu Williams, former Stanford Cardinal and NCAA champion, now professional basketball player for the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury. Thanks so much for joining us, Keanu. No problem. Thanks for having me. We'll talk more March Madness after the break, and we'd love to hear from you. Are you an alum of Stanford, St. Mary's, or USF, and you've been following the teams? Tell us what you've enjoyed or what players you've loved watching. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Alexis Madrigal. You're listening to Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is a special year for Bay Area College basketball. We've got teams and the tournament, and we've got reporters from each of the school papers to talk about the brackets and the hoopla. Joining us first, we've got Zach Zoffrin. He is staff writer for sports at the Stanford Daily Student Newspaper, also co-host of the new Stanford Women's Basketball podcast and a freshman at the university. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. 
So you heard Keanu Williams before the break saying she expects the team to repeat. What do you think? I mean, absolutely. You know, this is a team returning 12 of their 13 letter winners. Um, and when you're the defending national champions, it, it would be common sense to think that they'd repeat. Um, but obviously that one letter winner who is gone is Kiana Williams. And she had such an instrumental impact to the team last year. So it's, it's not going to be as easy of a path as one might think. When people tune in for Stanford games, what should they be looking for about how the team plays and, and works? Well, I mean, it, it starts with Haley Jones and Cameron Brink. You know, Haley, first team All-American, Cameron Brink third team, although she could have been a first teamer. She's struggled to stay on the court due to foul trouble. But when she's on the court, she's arguably Stanford's most valuable player. You know, she leads the team in scoring, leads the team in rebounding over two, two and a half blocks per game. But she she's only averaging around 20 minutes per game. Um, so when she's on the court, she's so important. Those It starts with those two. But, you know, like Kiana mentioned, it's every player, really. It, it's the depth that makes this team so incredible. And, um, you know, at a school like Stanford, it might not be everyone's forte to go to these sports games, but it, the display of excellence that this team puts on, you know, everyone knows they're watching championship basketball, and that's what gets the fans out. Mm-hmm. How about the rest of the field? There's a bunch of uh, tough teams. Uh, women's college basketball has been dominated by, by a relatively small number of teams over the years, including Stanford. Uh, where else are you looking at sort of the, the main roadblocks to another title? Right, right. Well, you know, Stanford, this is their 12th time with a number one seed in the tournament, so it's nothing new to them, but it's, it's not the same team we've seen in the past. And there's definitely some foes out there that, that could present some major challenges. My, my eyes are on the Sweet 16 matchup against Maryland, potentially, right, if both teams get there. But Keanu mentioned that's, that, that's an incredible Maryland team. Uh, Stanford faced them back in the Bahamas earlier in the season. But, you know, Maryland was without some of their best players back then. Um, and they've won nine of their last 10 games to close out the season. All eight of their losses have come to top 14 teams in the, in the polls. So, you know, they could be something to watch out for. Um, and then obviously in the Elite Eight, um, Keanu mentioned Texas or LSU. I, I'm worried about Texas. Texas presents this defensive matchup that is what led to Stanford's first loss this season. They, they have full court press. Uh, their pressure is something that Stanford needs to really address, especially in the absence of Williams. Um, and they're playing their best b- basketball at this point in the year. You know, we're coming off upset wins over the one and two seeds in the Big 12 tournament and getting that title. So, Texas, definitely something to look out for. And then, of course, uh, UConn, um, they've definitely reemerged, right? Historically, they're one of the best teams, one of those programs that has dominated. Uh, and they just got the reigning national player the year back, Paige Beckers. She, she was injured for most of the season, but here she is back in her full form. Uh, and at a three seed, that's a potential final four matchup. And then obviously on the other side of the bracket, you know, South Carolina, they're, they're the Goliath this year, number one seed all season. Um, and Stanford's last loss before Stanford's 20-game winning streak. So I think we anticipate a rematch there, but, you know, you got to watch out for these teams beforehand. How about the game uh, that's tonight? First game in the tournament. It's Montana State, right? Right. Are they, yeah, so, do they present any kind of a foe, or is this going to be kind of a, a steamrolling you expect? I mean, you know, uh, Tara, Tara's mindset is one game at a time. She said yesterday in the press conference, you know, you want to look one game forward, but you have to prepare for the other game. So, you know, obviously they're going to have game plans for these other teams, but you can only take it one game at a time. And the Bobcats, you know, they're big sky champions. They can't be ignored. Um, and they, they have a chip on their shoulder for sure. Um, two years ago, they, they wanted to make it to the tournament, um, but due to COVID, you know, their appearance in the big sky tournament title game was canceled and then obviously last year didn't make it so you know 
as a, they, they, they're going to have a lot to play shoulder. for tonight. Yeah, definitely. And a 32 point underdog, you know, they want to show that that, that is a big line that is not right. You mentioned uh, Coach uh, Tara Vanderveer, uh, winningest coach in uh, college women's basketball history as of uh, December of 2020, I think. Is she immortal, and will she coach forever? I mean, you know, right about now, it seems like it. You know, winningest coach in women's basketball history, over 1,150 victories and counting, and and there's just no signs of slowing down from her. She continues to bring in these great players. She continues to coach like no one else has done before. And so, you know, the day that she – you know, hangs it up. It'll, it'll be a sad one, but the college basketball world will remember her for sure. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned COVID. Do things feel different on campus, particularly at these kind of big events now? Like, are people coming back to the games? Are they getting excited about it? Like, what's it mean to have this tournament uh, arrive now at a relatively calm time in COVID world? Yeah, absolutely. I think fans are super excited. Um, you know, two years removed from the onset of the pandemic, people are ready to return to the court and, and it's not without disruption you know fans earlier in the season were able to go to the games but there was this hiatus early in the year when omicron really emerged for the month of january stanford kept fans out of the stands um and you know the women's team had to play three home games during that and it, and it has an impact um you know they had close games it's hard to internally produce that energy but these first two games going to be hosted at maples pavilion in palo alto fans are going to be ready and 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 they're excited to see this team in their full form you know last year weren't able to watch the national champions um they want to see winning basketball and they're going to be able to we're talking about the bay area teams representing at the ncaa basketball tournament this year we've been talking with zach zaffron staff writer for sports at the stanford daily student newspaper also co-host of the new stanford women's basketball podcast freshman at the school like to uh, hear from you, too. Did you go to Stanford, St. Mary's, USF? Do you have some great memories of the teams or, or not? You can uh, get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know we're KQED Forum or forum at kqed.org is the email address. Want to get uh, a couple other voices involved here. Julian Saraparu, intern for KQED's arts and culture team, also former editor-in-chief at the San Francisco Foghorn student newspaper and a senior at USF. Welcome, Julian. Hey, Alexis. Thanks for having me. We also have Miguel Arcayena, a news editor at the San Francisco Foghorn student newspaper and a senior at the school. Welcome, Miguel. Hey, nice to be here. So, Miguel and Julian... Are you alive after that game? That was uh, that was tough. Julian, why don't you give us your reaction uh, just as a fan? I mean, it was definitely uh, an anxiety-inducing game. Um, it was back and forth, definitely one of those March Madness classics. I don't think you can really ask for much more. Um, I was watching in our Sobrato Center, the, the gym at USF, and we had a good amount of people at the watch party, so it was great to be around that energy, but definitely heartbreaking loss. Yeah. Miguel, what did you think going into the overtime? Give us a little, give a little bit of the breakdown. Like, it was a back and forth game, and how did it end up for people who didn't see it? Yeah, this was actually, I think, the cleanest and most consistent game from start to finish from yesterday's opening day of the tournament. It was back and forth the entire time, and then with about four minutes left in the second half, uh, Murray State had this little run, and they went up by nine. Uh, with under four minutes to go, and it's sort of like USF was wasn't hitting their threes, and this is a three uh, three point reliant team, and 
like all season long, USF has been, you know, per- perseverance has been some some of their mantra. And because of its senior led team, they came back, they started to hit their shots. And obviously, Jamari Bouye just went off 27 points of his 36 points overall in the game was he he he, he got time. it in the second half and in the overtime and in the last 19 points of USF 14 came from Jamari and it was just a bouye show especially obviously that three um late in the second half the tight at 73 all and just in and the step back in overtime oh man yeah. if you if you haven't seen that highlight barrier sports fans you must look it up it's just the most ridiculous shot i mean you profiled um bouye recently for the school newspaper tell us a little bit more about him yeah he's the fifth year this is his fifth year actually in in playing in usf because of the ncaa amended rules with the pandemic they allowed an extra year for players to play at their schools because there's in, the seasons were shortened. Um, Jamari, this is he's played the entire year at USF. He's from Seaside, California. Didn't really play much at the beginning of his uh, career at USF, but slowly and gradually um, improved in, in, in his stats, especially in his shooting the last couple of years. And he's sort of been this leader that, the team has sort of coalesced around. Um, and because of that, he's averaged basically 18 points a game, five rebounds, four assists. He's made it now in the top 10 of USF statistically in shooting, steals, and in assists. Um, so at the end of his career, even though it wasn't as he was, he, he would like to be, he ended up being one of the greatest Don's players in basketball history. Thank you for that, Miguel. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, our general March Madness fans. What are your predictions and hopes for this year's men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments? And what makes the tournament special for you? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786, the rare sports forum show. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org uh julian i'd love to hear you know th- there's a loss you know it hurts this loss clearly hurts but this was still a historic season for usf yeah oh it definitely was um this is our first ncaa appearance since 1998 um but given some context this usf is actually a very historically um successful basketball program. We won the national championship for the first time back in 1949 when the NIT tournament, which is kind of a secondary tournament now, was still the main one. So that shows you how long ago it was. Um, 1955 and 56 as well with Bill Russell was on our team and Casey Jones, two NBA greats with the Celtics. Um, And even throughout the 70s and 80s, you know, we were a destination program. Bill Cartwright, you know, the Bulls great played for us as well. And he's still involved with the team in some capacity. Um, In the 80s, we had a period where the basketball team was suspended due to uh, rules violations. And that really set us back. 
Um, but we've seen a recent revival. Um, Got to give props to Kyle Smith, who was the coach before uh, Todd Golden. He really set the groundwork for what we've been able to do now. And this has been a great team um, this year. So it's been something to build off of, especially we have Golden going forward. We're losing Bouye. We're losing Khalil Shabazz, another one of our best players. Um, they're graduating. But this should be a, a good building block for the program going forward. Yeah. We're talking about the Bay Area teams representing at the NCAA basketball tournaments this year with a panel of student reporters covering their school teams, talking with Zach Zaffron, representing Stanford Daily Student Newspaper, Julian Saraparu, intern here at KQED's Arts and Culture team, but also former editor-in-chief at the San Francisco Foghorn, and Miguel Arcayena, the news editor at the Foghorn uh, as well. Miguel, there's some really, really interesting stories on this Don's team season just concluded. Can you tell us about the special connection the team has to Ukraine? Yeah, it's seven-two sophomore center, and he played a lot last night. Um, Vladimir Markovetsky is a Ukrainian native, and currently his mom and his sister is a refugee in Lithuania, and his dad is a police officer who's become um, into the force now in oh. Ukraine, his hometown in the western side of the country. Um, he's actually a transfer from Washington State. He's new here at USF, but even though he's new, the university has surrounded him with great support and the team sort of the last few weeks has um, surrounded him with, with, with great support as well as his teammates, particularly his two Belarusian teammates. And we know that we don't, we don't want to dive into the politics of the, the conflict, but contextually, um, just a symbol of unity there. Mm-hmm. And, and right now he's, you know, he's, when we were talking to him, he said that basketball is an escape. Uh, even for just two hours, um, he could he wouldn't think um, he doesn't need to think of his family. But once he steps off the court, he always checks his phone if there's any update uh, or any message from his you know from his mom or his sister or his dad. Um, and I actually asked him if he had any thoughts of going back to Ukraine. He said, "Yeah, you know when this started, um, I want to go if I had the chance to get a ticket." Uh, an opportunity to go back home, I would, because um, that's his country. That's that's his home. Mm-hmm. And and actually, when we were uh, interviewing him, he had a flag of the of, of Ukraine in his room mm-hmm. as a backdrop. Um, and he said that you know he wants to support his father who's all alone. He wants to support his country. Um, and you know, if they need his help, he would buy a plane ticket right now and go. But it's it's something that that has really forced this team to to stick up for one another even more mm-hmm. not just the the basketball dynamics of you know a, a team that's usually not given its credit of winning but now even more so we would have their teammates going through something that none of us could imagine yeah hey zach uh zaffron sport staff writer for uh, sports at the stanford daily uh tar vanderveer has also pledged to support the cause in Ukraine. Can you tell us a little bit more about what she said? Yeah, absolutely. In the press conference yesterday, um, she mentioned she's pledging $10 for every three-pointer made this tournament. And, you know, she's hoping to inspire and challenge um, other coaches and fans of women's basketball to take on the challenge. And, and it's just a stance of, of the Stanford program that, that they make hoops more about hoops. It's, it's about more than basketball. They're not afraid to stand up for what's right, support what needs to be supported. 
cool. Uh, returning just a, a little bit to the star of last night, Bouye, San Francisco's Bouye. I uh, was reading ESPN's draft guy, Chad Ford, said the biggest draft stock bounce of the day has to be San Francisco's Jamari Bouye, who had 36 points in a fantastic game against Murray State. He's old. This is for college basketball draftees, uh, which limits his draft ceiling, but has looked all year like an NBA player. You know, Julian, as someone who has followed his career from when, you know, he was not playing much uh, early in his career to being a prospective guy who gets drafted in the NBA, what, what would you say? I mean, I would say that he's a pretty safe bet for the NBA, in my opinion. He's somebody who's obviously progressed every year, and I think that says a lot about the work that he puts in in the offseason. Um, you know, there's some people who come in with a lot of natural talent or who are uh, shoe-ins from day one, but as an NBA scout, I think I would always be looking for the person who works hard because those are people who continue to improve year after year, even after they've made it. And, you know, for him last night, he definitely raised his draft stock. Back home, we would call that 36-piece McNugget that he dropped last night, <laughs> and um, it was impressive. He was he was a man amongst boys. You could tell he was a level above everybody else, and yeah, if that doesn't unstoppable. Scream, yeah, if that doesn't scream NBA uh, to to me, then I don't know what does. He was scoring at all three levels of the court, you know, inside, outside, mid-range, and just getting his buckets any way he could and taking over the game. So he definitely should be there next year. Um, and if I hope that's some consolation for him, this being his last game at USF where he spent so many years, at least he should be making millions next year, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Miguel, what do you think? Uh, you think uh, his eyes are, are focused on the NBA right now? Oh, yeah. It's sort of um, one of the things when we ask him what what's next after your second, he said, definitely I want to play professionally, um, whether that's in the NBA or some other league. And, and, you know, after the game, Coach Golden had this quote where he said he's glad that on the national setting, people got to fi- finally see Bouye uh, because he's been doing this all year for USF. I mean, I checked social media afterwards. Um, he got couple of like tweets from NBA players like CJ McCollum and, and others because of what he did. And, and, you know, he was a late offer as a player. He's particularly undersized as a guard. And yet, you know, he keeps working on it. And last night was a perfect example. He was struggling in the first half. And then the second half, he got clicking, went a little layup. And then he went and off. And then he was off to the races. Totally. Uh, we're talking about Bay Area teams representing at the NCAA basketball tournaments. We're going to be talking St. Mary's after the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about March Madness, which began yesterday. Got the women's and the men's tournaments uh, rolling as of today. And we've got three barrier teams uh, still left, uh, or actually who, who made it in, in general. You're an alum of Stanford, St. Mary's, or USF. Have you been following the, the games? Tell us what you've enjoyed, players you've liked watching, or your memories of those teams. And if you're not a fan of those teams, but you are a fan generally, as I am, what are your predictions and your hopes for this year's uh, men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email, of course, is forum at kqed.org. We've been talking with Zach Zafrin. Uh, staff writer for sports at the Stanford Daily Student Newspaper. Julian Saraparu, intern here at KQED, as well as former editor-in-chief at the San Francisco Foghorn. Miguel Arquiena, news editor at San Francisco Foghorn. And we want to add Ryan Ford, sports section editor at the Collegian Student Newspaper and a senior at St. Mary's College. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, Alexis. Thanks for having me. So if that Don's game was a nail-biter, the St. Mary's game was not. Uh, you absolutely rolled the storied Indiana Hoosiers. Tell us about uh, watching that game and how it felt. Well, that was a crazy game. Um, first 10 minutes, it was pretty back and forth. Um, and of course, Indiana, that's a blue thats a blue blood program. Like that's a legendary program. So you never want to take them lightly. Um, but after a back and forth, eight lead changes, first 10 minutes, uh, Randy Bennett called timeout and it was just pouring it on from there. 12-2 um, run to end the first half, dominated 40-28 and then second half, uh, you think we'd ease up a little bit, but took that one 42-25. Um, just an all-around great team effort. Yeah. Tell us about, I mean, St. Mary's been good for a while, um, the Gales. But this is a pretty special team, yeah? What are uh, what are some of the things that they were able to do that previous St. Mary's teams have not been able to? Oh, yeah. This was definitely a historic season. Um, went undefeated at home for the first time in school history. Um, they got that. They accomplished that when they beat number one ranked Gonzaga last game of the season. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> um so that was crazy win there um and also you know last season we went 14 and 10 had a lot of games canceled due to covid um but that was the lowest winning percentage we'd had in 14 years so a lot of people didn't really know what to expect this year um but yeah going 26 and 7 now undefeated at home um uh, you know having the last home game be a, a moment where the all everybody could storm the court i mean definitely very memorable. After that game, Randy Bennett said, this has got to be one of the biggest wins in school history. Man. How did it feel, especially given the COVID restrictions? I mean, your entire college experience has been kind of disrupted by the pandemic. And then to have one of those kind of classic collegiate moments there at the end of the season. Oh, it meant a ton. It meant a ton. And it was also kind of cool to have so many people in there, you know, not wearing masks, you know, kind of a a, a, you know, one feel of normalcy for once. Um, and honestly, it, it really did feel like pre-COVID. It felt like nothing had happened. Um, it was super special. Everybody on campus was, you know, crazy. It took like 20 minutes to get out of campus because of all the traffic. Um, but yeah, no, it was a crazy vibe. So the West Coast Conference that St. Mary's plays in, the Dons play in, and of course the, the big headliner for the WCC has long been Gonzaga. Looking at, looking at Gonzaga this year, what do you think? How how do you think they compare to the St. Mary's team, and who do you think is going to go further in the tournament? That's a great question. I mean, I think 
Gonzaga has really proven to be the the class of the WCC the past decade. Um, and, you know, obviously in past years, what's made them different is they've been recruiting top five NBA picks, you know. I mean, Chet Holmgren might be the first overall pick in the NBA draft this year. Um, so they're a talented team. And I think, according to ESPN, they're the most popular pick to win to win it all in most people's brackets. Um, but, I mean, that being said, I think St. Mary's kind of proved in their few matchups against them that they could they could hang with them. I mean, even in the two losses, uh, you know, lost by 10 points and they were there hanging with them the whole game. And in the one win we had against them, I mean, largest lead of 16, put them away in the first half and just held on to it. I mean, I'd say if we get the chance to play them again, um, you know, knock on wood, I think we have a good chance. Uh, but that being said, you can't underestimate Gonzaga, especially with Coach Mark Few, um, Chet Holmgren again, and Drew Timmy, WCC Player of the Year. So Ugh, Timmy. they definitely, <laughs> they <laughs> definitely right. have a chance to, you know, go as far as anybody. Hey, Julian, um, as a, as an unbiased uh, observer of both St. Mary's and Gonzaga. How do you uh, evaluate their their strengths and weaknesses still in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, it's like Ryan said, you can never sleep on Gonzaga, right? Um, they've definitely proven themselves to be a dominant force and a lot of NBA prospects. But, you know, I got to give love to St. Mary's. Usually it's a bit of a rivalry between us two, but um, St. Mary's this year, definitely their defense is amazing. Um, and I think that wins championships, right? So look, have a lookout for them um, because when it gets to those later stages of the tournament and you really have to clamp down defensively, that's what you need to, to win those games. So St. Mary's could be a dark horse uh, team in there, and it would be cool if they met each other again. You never know. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of uh, St. Mary's upcoming games? Like, how, how are you evaluating their piece of the bracket? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. We got a matchup against UCLA. Um, and if anybody watched college basketball last year, I mean, they were the big Cinderella. I mean, they were the 11 seed, had to play a first four in game, and they wound up making all the way to the final four. Um, I mean, they got NBA prospects, too, with Johnny Juzang. I mean, this, this is a team that everybody was rooting for last year to take to, you know, overtake Gonzaga, and they wound up losing in overtime 93-90. So, um, this is going to be a tough game for sure. Um, but I think, you know, like Julian pointed out, I mean, St. Mary's defensively really put on a show last game. Um, and it's funny because, I mean, they actually have the fourth slowest pace in all of the NCAA tournament, which if you're a WCC fan, that doesn't surprise you because we play at a, a nice slow pace. But um, I think for us, the key will just to be to have a hot start, um, you know, get a nice lead because we've, we've proven that once we get the lead, we can hold on to it. So I'm a UCLA fan. Uh, we got this matchup coming up. Uh, my dad went there. My sister went there. It goes, goes really deep. I was at the UCLA's last championship, which was uh, in 1995, and uh, it's possibly before you guys were born. So it's, you know, it's been a while. Um, I got to say, that is going to be the slowest paced game uh, in, in college basketball history. It's going to be like 37-34, and we'll see uh, who wins. I... I will say I I do not have a lot of confidence uh, that UCLA is going to beat um, St. Mary's. I think our team has looked ragged, really. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you remember last year, the whole reason that UCLA looked so good in the tournament was Johnny Juzang could not miss. He was just hitting absolutely every mid-range jumper that he ever uh, took. And I think UCLA opened up yesterday. Uh, maybe shooting like 15% from the field. I mean, it was just <laughs> ugly. So a tough uh, defensive team 
against a team that's not really playing great offense, I'm I'm feeling sick over it, to be honest with you. Um, so I um, want to talk uh, brackets uh, a little bit here. Um, maybe, Miguel, let's start with you. Who do you think is going to make the Final Four on the on the men's side, and who do you think is going to win it all? Yeah, I got, you know, with all due respect for my USF allegiance, but I got Gonzaga going all the way. Um, I like Arizona, too. Uh, Kansas was really dominant last night. We'll see how they go against, uh, I believe, against um, Richmond. Um, on the south side, it's up for grabs, but Baylor or North Carolina, that's a game that I'm really looking forward to because, you know, the Baylor national defending national champions, but North Carolina has been playing really well, especially since they won against uh, Duke at Cameron indoor in coach K's last game. So they had this momentum going. So um, of all teams, I'm most confident in Gonzaga actually. I have to say that North Carolina win over Duke and coach K's final game was quite satisfying as an anti Duke fan. Um, Julian, who you got in, uh, in the final four and, and win it all. Yeah, I've got to say Gonzaga in the West. You, you definitely just cannot sleep on them. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say Murray State is a dark horse in the East who just beat us, but um, they, they're definitely not ones to sleep on, and maybe they'll come up against St. Mary's, so that's kind of a toss-up. I'll go with a dark horse for the East. Um, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to – to see what happens with Purdue. They have a great prospect called uh, Jaden Ivey, and and he's really, really uh, special. He reminds me a lot of John Morant in the NBA for my NBA fans. Um, I think San Diego in the South, they have an amazing defense. I think definitely top five in the the country based off of uh, points allowed. So uh, I would look out for them in the South. And in the Midwest, um, you know, I'll go with another – you know, Kansas, I think it's it's hard to sleep on a legacy program oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Ford, how about you? Your picks? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm normally not one to make brackets because they never turn out well. <laughs> um, but I got to go with uh, Gonzaga in the West, too. Um, I'm, I always kind of lean towards teams that have NBA players. Although we saw how that went yesterday with St. Peter's taking down Kentucky. So awesome. what do I yeah. know? We, we but, might have to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the East, I, you know, I'm very hopeful that St. Mary's can make a nice little run, but if I'm being honest, I'd probably go with Purdue right about now. Um, again, going with the NBA guys, Jaden Ivey. Um, and then I had Arizona, the one seed out of the South and then Auburn out of the Midwest, um, again, cause you know, Jabari Smith, I mean, he's a stud. Yeah. Yeah. Let's also, uh, take a look at the women's bracket. Zach Zaffron, staff writer for sports at Stanford Daily Student Newspaper. What do you think? Who who do you have in the women's Final Four? Yeah, absolutely. So coming in Wichita, you know, Louisville has been playing incredible, but there's definitely teams uh, that you can't ignore. The likes of Baylor having an incredible season, incredible players on that end. Coming out of Greensboro, you know, the Goliath I mentioned, South Carolina, they've been number one for essentially all the season. Um, and they want vengeance after last year's championship loss. Or, or my apologies, their semifinals loss. But, you know, coming out of Spokane, obviously Stanford trying to repeat. Um, and they're going to be hungry. They want to prove that that last year's win was no joke. Um, but, you know, we mentioned the challenges they're going to run into. Texas playing their best basketball of, of the year right now, peaking. And Maryland and Kansas can't be ignored as well. Yeah. And then Bridgeport, you know, North Carolina State has the one seed. But UConn reemerging. You know, they could be something to watch out for. Um, and, you know, 
after watching Stanford all season, you, you gain somewhat of an inclination to choose them to win. And after winning 20 straight, I mean, who wouldn't choose them to win? So <laughs> they're, they're my pick. Um, you know, Julian Saraparu, you've been uh, covering sports at the San Francisco Foghorn for, for a long time. You're a senior at University of San Francisco. And one of the things that I was really curious about is how you think COVID ended up changing the school culture. Like, do you think that people, you know, it's a school that maybe isn't known for having like Duke-like school spirit. Um, do you think it changed that like, people are really hungry for that now because of having been held apart for so long? Yeah, we're talking school spirit. We're definitely the anti-Duke. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the reason a lot of people come to USF is to be in a city. But, you know, this is definitely a, a good development for for helping improve our school spirit. You know, to have uh, sports on a national scale where people are seeing us on national TV. You know, I have friends. I'm from New Orleans who are back home telling me, oh, I'm watching USF on the TV. And I'm, that's just wild to me. Um, there are a lot of people, both freshmen and even the sophomores, because we did school all online last year who is basically their first uh, year on campus and so for them to come in on campus at a time when our sports teams are really performing um, especially in the basketball perspective shout out to the women's team too who had a tough loss in in IT yesterday Um, you know it's great to to develop that and like I said before for the men's team um, as long as we hold on to Todd Golden he's really um, you know for lack of a better word a, a golden boy in terms of coaching I think he's only 36 years old so he has a bright future ahead of him. And I think he can really lead us to the promised land, getting us good recruits and everything. So I think this is something to build on. Um, even at the watch party I was at last night, there were some middle school fans in there and they were going crazy. So maybe some future dons, you never know. <laughs> hey, Zach, uh, listener, Catherine writes, you know, unfortunately, Stanford students don't show up for the women's games like they do for the men, but the women have some loyal supporters, including Coach Shaw and the men's football team, Russell Wilson as a presence in the stands, enthusiastically cheering on his sister Anna, and Steph Curry is a supporter of family friend Cameron Brink. Shout out to the Hull sisters, Lexi and Lacey, who are so much fun to watch. Zach, can you tell us about sort of the team's position within Stanford's campus and, and whether they're getting a fair shake? Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about college sports, and I think the sports world is inclined to think about, you know, these football games, these men's basketball games. But honestly, in Palo Alto, the most well-attended events are the women's basketball games. You know, they want to watch championship teams play championship basketball, and that's exactly what you see when you watch the women's team. And, and the reason is because, you know, not only is this team so successful on the court, but the people making the magic happen, there's, there's characters on the team that have a lot going on for them. Like you mentioned, Anna Wilson's sister, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, athletics are running in the family, but this, this team has major profiles. Fran Belibi, I remember back in high school watching her go viral for dunking in a high school game as a girl. You know, that's frankly something that you don't see. Uh, Kiki Irafin, a freshman this year, she, she had a similar uh, viral video last year. She's just dunking with ease, you know, <laughs> quite honestly, dunking easier than I can. Um, can't ignore Haley Jones, of course, reigning most outstanding player of the Final Four. She's just building her brand, especially with the new NIL policy. Um, Yeah, let's talk talk about that a little bit. Um, Ryan Ford, let's, you know, this policy, which allows collegiate athletes to make um, some money from their likenesses and and other things. You know, I think largely people think of it for, you know, the kind of one and dones and people who are total superstars. Has there been any discussion about it um, among, you know, the players on like St. Mary's team or, or around there? Um, you know, not not that I'm aware of. I mean, St. Mary's isn't really known as a, a team that gets a lot of high-powered recruits. Um, 
I mean, we do have a recruit next year, uh, Aiden Mahaney out of Camp Alindo, who, you know, I, think, I believe he's a, f- a four-star recruit. Um, but obviously when you're going to St. Mary's, you're not kind of, you're not really thinking, oh, this is um, the place where I'm going to get paid. I don't think so, at least. Um, yeah. But I think it's more so culture um, that drives that kind of wagon. Yeah. And Zach, how about uh, the the women on the, the Sanford team? Yeah, no, they're, they're um, you know, plenty of big recruits. And that, that's what makes Tara so great is she continues to bring the talent in. Um, got another recruit coming out of the Bay Area, um, I believe up from Silesian or O'Dowd. And the, the, the talent is, is nonstop, especially when you look at the, the youth of this team, um, Haley, a junior, and Cameron Brink, a sophomore. Yeah. Um, Julian, wanted to ask you about, you know, the the long sweep of the the history of USF just to to wrap us up and of the the West Coast Conference like what do you expect i mean long that the Pac12 has been kind of the big western league but you look at this year and it's it looks about even if not you know um advantage uh west coast conference so what do you think is going to happen in the future yeah i mean i think this is a great building block um I think, you know, Mark Few even talked about that this year for to have three WCC teams in the tournament is just great representation. And even there could have been a fourth. BYU is a really good team, and um, they, they could have made it if, if not for being in such a tough conference. So it'll be a dogfight going forward. Um, you know, Gonzaga is always going to be hard to knock off. But, you know, for us little guys, USF, St. Mary's, we're going to keep on trying. And uh, the day that we do, it's, the whole campus is going to go crazy. I know that for <laughs> sure. Um, but it's, it's a, it'll be great competition going forward, great coaches on, in a lot of different areas. And uh, who wouldn't want to come out to the West Coast, right, for the recruits? So yeah. we'll, we'll see if it, makes, if it happens. We've been talking about the Bay Area teams representing at the NCAA basketball tournaments this year with panel of student reporters covering their teams. I've been joined by Zach Zaffron, staff writer for sports at the Stanford Daily Student Newspaper and co-host of a new Stanford women's basketball podcast. Julian Saraparu, intern for KQD's arts and culture team, former editor-in-chief at the San Francisco Foghorn. Miguel Arquiena, news editor at the Foghorn. And Ryan Ford, sports section editor at the Collegiate Student Newspaper. Thanks so much for joining us. Forums produced by Ariana Prelo, Blanca Torres, Susie Britton, Dan Zoll, Grace Wan, and Caroline Smith, with assistance from Cesar Saldana. Judy Campbell's lead producer for the 9 o'clock hour. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, Chris Hopp. Our interns are Jennifer Ng, Palsy Kelly Campos. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindy, and our chief content officer is Holly Kern, and I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.